Next on BYU Sports Nation, Kalani Satake and BYU have hit the transfer portal hard, but which side of the football has improved the most? Plus, say goodbye to the WCC, the weekend battles. That will end BYU's 12-year run in the conference and open the door for the Big 12. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Today is Friday, May 19th. My name is Jason Shepard, and I am teamed up with ceremonial first pitch coach Dave McCann. Number one key is to just not throw it in the dirt. You talked with Keaton Slovis after his pitch, and what did the first thing you say? I yeah. couldn't put it in the dirt. That's right, yeah. Keaton Slovis, BYU quarterback, throwing out the first pitch last night at the BYU baseball game. And uh, there you go, getting a look at it right there. And I, that was edited so that you didn't actually see how look, high it was. Look, have you ever thrown out a first pitch before? Yes. I, I, I've done it. It is completely nerve-wracking because you know that if you don't make it across, it doesn't even have to be a strike. You just have to get it to the plate. Yeah. That's all. You just don't want to one-hop it. You're yes. booed if you're throwing it. Look, that happened. I did that six years ago. It was 2017. I still hear from people on the staff mocking me that it was only 47 miles per hour, <laughs> but it was in there for a strike. Standing on the hill in Las Vegas, it's funny how once you get right here, things just tighten up. Yes. And you're just like, don't leave it short. And then sometimes you might airmail it like Slovis almost did last <laughs> night. But you just get in there, and, and yeah, it is nerve-wracking. It is. Look, but, it's, uh, but it's kind of a thrill. We don't need him to be throwing baseballs. We're <laughs> looking forward to him throwing footballs come the fall. That's the important part, right? If he is going to throw more baseballs, we need Isaac <laughs> Rex behind the plate at 6-6. Yes. You could have caught that in the back corner like, of the end zone. Yeah. Touchdown. Uh, it was fun to see uh, Slovis. Uh, here's, here's the angle we're talking about. Just a little, just a little high and inside but the fan reaction to this young man who is the new kid in town has been spectacular and his reaction to the fans has been a lot of fun we're gonna have a lot of fun in september yeah this is he it has been a a a great move all the way around and we haven't even got to the games yet yeah we got a great show. Might be the best show ever today. Former Cougar quarterback Riley Nelson's going to break down the quarterback room for BYU. And Jake Redslaff is in that quarterback room. He's going to be in our room here in just a bit. He joins us live. What a story he brings to town. Plus, uh, building a schedule. We'll look at the BYU basketball non-conference slate as they add another game and put together this group that's going to be the precursor to the Big 12 schedule, which we're still waiting for. That's all coming up today. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. Here's an experienced guy that's been there and done it before. Number one rated JUCO quarterback out of California, a second team AP All-American at the FCS level, and Eddie Heckard. Edge rushers get sacked. Keen Slovis, quarterback. He's got to be the best transfer BYU has. All right, I'm not sure if any of you have heard, but the transfer portal has turned out to be a pretty big deal in college athletics yeah. and certainly in college football. BYU has absolutely been active, and while the Cougars have lost guys to the portal, they've more than bounced back with an influx of talented players choosing to come to Provo. So with that, Dave, which side of the football do you think has improved the most through the transfer portal? That's a deep question because naturally you say offense because the quarterback is so important at BYU yeah. and, and Slovis is here from the portal. So, and then you think, well, they needed a, a, a better, more aggressive running game. And then there's Aiden Robbins who's here from the portal coming from UNLV, a 1,000-yard rusher. And then it was, well, okay, you've got to replace Puka 
and, um, and, and some of the guys on, on the offensive side, Gunnar Romney. And so then they add a couple of receivers from the portal. Seem like they've checked all the boxes. Yeah. So you gravitate to the offense. Yeah. This is an offensive-driven school. But then you start looking at the guys on defense that they added, and then it gets to be a pretty good debate. You know, you get an All-American cornerback. Yeah. That's huge. You get guys up front, Banya from Boise State and Cravens from Boise State, to improve that pass rush. I think you could throw Jay Hill in the transfer portal as well, since he's new and he's gonna he's gonna kind of make it all work. And then you look at the linebacker Vong Pichang from Utah State, and you're like, they got a lot better on defense too. So what do you think? Unlike you, immediately you go to the offensive side simply because you needed a quarterback. You go to the transfer portal to get your quarterback. See, for me, I think the two most important and probably uh, biggest needs were on the offensive side. And for me, that was quarterback and that was offensive line. You lost some guys to the portal going to Baylor, uh, the Barrington brothers heading to Baylor, but you also lost, obviously, um, you know, a couple of guys into the draft and now going to be playing in the NFL. So for me, the two biggest needs were quarterback and offensive line. And you were able to, to fill those needs Quite well, actually. Yep. So I, I think the offensive side, you got the most important guys that you needed. However, I do go to the defensive side because I think the defensive side was where you needed to make up the most ground. That's where you needed to show the biggest improvement. And I'm with you. I, I love the, the guys that you get in. Vonk Pachong, uh, Bagna, Cravens, um, Heckard, all those guys on the defensive side are welcome additions and, and I think help that side of the ball, which needed the most help going into the offseason. And you, you joked about it. Yes, he's not a transfer you know, portal addition, but the biggest addition on that side of the football was Jay Hill. Right. And even if he didn't do a single thing schematically, and we obviously know that he's going to do that and already has, what he has done already from a motivation standpoint and getting guys to buy in. And I'm not saying that guys weren't bought in before, but it, it just feels there is a new energy. If that is all he brought, that's already a win for BYU. Yeah, you can make good players better. Yes. Um, I think that the deeper thing is they went 8-5 and five last year. They weren't Big 12 ready last year. These guys bring in depth, and depth is really what's held BYU back uh, in the, among the big boys. Uh, starting 11, you know, go toe-to-toe. Once somebody gets hurt, things change. Um, and so the goal in this offseason was to build depth. And so, all right, you lose the Barrington brothers and you lose Freeland. All right, that's pretty devastating yeah. on paper. But then you come back with um, uh, uh, Caleb Etienne from Oklahoma State, yep. Paul Miley from Utah, Ian Fitzgerald from Missouri State, Waylon Lapuaho from Utah State, and Jake Icorn from Weber State. You added replacements yes. and depth. And so that's huge. You then you go to the defensive side and you go, dang, BYU's still not happy that Logan Fano is playing for the Utes uh, and Keenan Peely's going to Tennessee, but they bring in Vong Pichang from Utah State and then uh, Cravens and Banya, um, Daw, uh, some size and strength so that they, they replace those bodies and increase the depth. And the depth is the key for November football in yeah. the Big 12. Well, and I, I think the other part, and this was, I did not go into the offseason. This is back to the offensive side. I, I didn't necessarily go into the offseason. After, after Aiden Robbins signed uh, and committed the, the transfer, obviously, most recently at UNLV, I kind of thought, okay, running backs, you're probably in pretty good shape. And wide receiver, yeah, you lose Puka, but you've got, and, and you lose Gunner. 
but you've got a lot of young guys that showed promise. And so I didn't necessarily feel like that was one where I, I knew that BYU was still looking at other receivers, but the fact that they've gotten some other guys in, you know, and there, and there are some other guys coming in that, that have not been announced officially, so we can't mention names here on the show, but I think what BYU has done at the running back position and the wide receiver position, two areas that I thought were, were okay to begin with and, and probably better than okay, the depth that they've added at those two positions, I think it's almost, it's almost gravy at this point. Yeah, and it's, and it's, um, it's not just stopgap stuff. Slovis is a stopgap right. guy. We get him for one year. Uh, but the thing is, BYU is going to be in the Big 12 next year too. And so it's... It's, uh, it's the cupboard and food storage, right. you know, not just what do we need to do to get through the weekend. Right. Uh, and and I, I think we're seeing that in this portal, and we'll also see it with recruiting. It's going to be a blend of, of recruiting young guys and developing and, and getting guys who've already developed. And, and that blend is the challenge of, of every coaching staff now in college football. And this has been a huge group for Kalani Sataki and his group to do in, in basically year one. We'll call it year one because it's, it's the year before the Big 12. Right. Well, let's, let's actually look at some of these numbers. You know, offensive players in that BYU has got in the portal, they, they brought in 11 guys. They lost eight. On the defensive side, they brought in seven. They lost 10. So, I mean, those are kind of the numbers that you're going with. And, and it's, it's always one of those situations where at the very beginning of all this, it, it felt like there were more leaving the program than coming in. And so immediately you're sort of overwhelmed with what you don't have. But you always knew you had to give yourself some time for the coaching staff to go out and fill those holes. And I've got to say, I have loved what the coaching staff has done to fill those holes on both sides of the football. You get 364 days <laughs> yeah. a year before Christmas. But we want things There's now, Dave. We want it now. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you don't get your shopping done on the first week of December, there's still three more weeks, right. and that's what the portal has shown us. Even now, the portal is closed for guys going in, Yeah. but there's tons of guys in, as we've seen in the last couple of weeks, where BYU can still go, you know what, you're the fit for us, or the kid can go, I'm the fit for you. And, and so this goes on and on and on. The only ones that can get in now are the grad transfers, and there's plenty of those. Yeah. Uh, it's, the shopping's going right up to, it feels like right up to Christmas Eve, which in Cougar land is right up until kickoff September 2nd. Um, this adding, these adding guys, and, and if you do it right, it's, it works really good. And, and if you guess wrong, then you, then you, you, you got it yourself in a jam, and, and it takes a little longer to get out of it. But that's why the evaluation is so critical. You evaluate a kid that you're recruiting from fourth grade on right. through your summer camps yeah. and everything else. Uh, some of these guys you're evaluating in a couple of days, and you just got to hope that both sides fit together. What position do you think improved itself the most? Because I, go, I can make an argument for both lines. The offensive line and defensive line, I think, probably helped itself the most. I, I Honestly, I'm not sure where I would, would lean on that. Probably would lean towards the defensive line because I think there was, there was more needed there than maybe even on the offensive line. And a strategy change yes, there, which but, might actually yeah. enhance the current guys. Yeah, so I, I think I'd probably go defensive line, but where would you go in terms of the, best, the position that maybe upgraded itself the most? You know, uh, I, I, I lean to Eddie Heckard because he's an All-American, yeah. and a corner spot is so important, especially if you're going to have an aggressive defense going after the quarterback. You've got 
you got to have guys that can lock down on other guys. And he's one of those guys, and he's teaching the others, you know, leading by example. So on the defensive side of the ball, I go with Heckard. On the offensive side of the ball, uh, I go with Aiden Robbins. Okay. He's a beast. Yeah. He's 6'3", 230. Those are Algier size minus the, well, the addition of two inches taller. Um, <laughs> and coming from a 1,000-yard rusher, not behind BYU's offensive line, behind UNLV's offensive line. Uh, I, I just think he's the ticket. If he's a 1,000-yard rusher, that takes the pressure off everybody else on the offense, including the offensive line, because you don't have to block it perfectly, and you can still convert a fourth and one if you've got an Algier-type guy. And last year we struggled on fourth and one, fourth and two. Yes. By at large, we had decent numbers in the run game. But in the yards we needed the most, and I go right back to thinking about Notre Dame, just, just get a yard or two <laughs> and we couldn't do it. I think Aiden Robbins is the difference maker there, and that becomes so important to that offense. Well, you've heard from us. Now we want to hear from you. It's our question of the day. Which side of the football has improved the most for BYU through the transfer portal. Uh, the first response comes from Ben Peterson on Twitter, and he says offense. The positions affected were quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and offensive line. Most of these appear to be the players who will be starting. This also plays a bit into the uncertainty we feel about how the team will perform with a lot of new pieces. And look, that's, that's the thing. It's all exciting to get all these new pieces in. Now, now you've got to make them all fit and work together like a puzzle. It's got, it's got to work, and I think that's what the next couple of months will be, and you get into fall camp and then you into the season. That's, I think, the next thing that you look forward to, uh, seeing how it all works together. And that's the value of Sam yeah. Houston yeah. and Southern Utah before Arkansas. Yeah. Is, is you really got eight quarters to do just what he's saying, just to figure it all out and blend in in a game-type situation. Fortunately, you have a quarterback who's – who's been in so many of these P5 matchups yeah. moving forward. He's not going to be phased. He literally can say, follow me, boys. Yeah. Well, look, and he even told me last night when we did our interview for the baseball game, you know, he, he, I asked him what he's looking forward to, and he's the challenge of going into the Big 12. It's, what, it's why he came here. BYU's tradition, the offense, and an opportunity to play in the Big 12. That's why he's here. And I'm so excited for this opportunity. <laughs> like, we've been talking about this forever, and the fact – that we are months away from it being a reality, and, and the first teams hopping on a field, the Big 12 logo, it's almost here. You often hear the most popular kid on a football team is the backup quarterback. Right. Uh, Slovis has gone next level. <laughs> the most popular kid in Cougar Nation is the transfer-in quarterback that hasn't suited up yet. That's right. Uh, who's nice, and everyone's just, you know. They gravitate to him. Yeah, it's gotta work, yeah. and if it works, Half as close as everyone hopes, he's going to go to the NFL and BYU's going to win some games this fall. That's right. Continue to weigh in using hashtag BYUSN on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Hey, for the love of the game, that's what BYU baseball is playing for tonight. The love of the game. Game two against Pepperdine. Coverage starts at 8 Eastern on BYU TV with Jason, Gary, and me. And Saturday afternoon at 3 Eastern on BYU TV as the Cougars' run in the WCC officially comes to a close. Former BYU quarterback Riley Nelson joins us next to talk transfer portal and what will define success for Keaton Slovis. This is BYU Sports Nation. To his left, to the end zone. Touchdown. He's going to find the end zone. Dude, that's just Riley Nelson. Nelson wants the deep ball. He's got a man open. Touchdown. 
We are live in Studio B. We are your day-to-day -day BYU sports play-by-play. -play. I'm Jason Shepard. That is Dave McCann, and you just saw the highlights from the great Riley Nelson and the former BYU quarterback, the former BYU radio analyst, and my former uh, co-host on Cougar Pregame Live, Riley Nelson, joining us now. That's a lot of former. Here, here, yeah. Riley, Riley, here's yeah. my question. Of all three of those titles, for, former quarterback, former analyst, and uh, my former co-host on Radio Pregame, which of those are you going to miss the most? Co-host, without a doubt. Can't, it's, uh, the other ones aren't even uh, a close second. I don't believe a word you're saying, but I'm going to accept it as the truth. Riley's smart <laughs> well, enough. Just take it, Jace, yeah. <laughs> Riley is smart enough to know when to audible and just yes. say the right thing. How you doing, yeah, man? That's right. <laughs> doing good. Yeah, no, Dave, I mean, to your point, it doesn't matter how good a play is. If the defense, you know, is set up to stop it, you got to be able to, you know, move and shake and adjust at the line. So that's uh, we're starting off that interview the same way, which – you know, uh, even though those formers kind of like remind me of the good old days, uh, the fact that I can still apply those skills, whether it's, you know, here on Sports Nation with you guys or out in the real life, uh, is a testament to the sport. Yes, it is. So we've obviously been talking a lot about the transfer portal. It's not going anywhere. In fact, it's probably going to become even more uh, a part of college athletics as we continue on. What have you made out of how active BYU has been in the portal thus far? I think it's a great thing. I think, uh, but here's what I'll say. And um, I think it's a great thing that they're transitioning into the Big 12. I think, or, you know, moving from independence into a P5, I think the roster, uh, and, and also your roster changed so much from year to year, but also you're taking a step up. And as you look at other teams that have done that, uh, in recent history, they really it, it took them four or five years to get up to speed and start competing in their respective conferences. I think that the transfer portal actually was a tool. Uh, you know, the last time there was a significant shakeup or the G5s moving up to P5, it, it was not an element like it is now. So I think that BYU being so active is a good sign in that there's a possibility, not saying a guarantee, but there's a possibility that by being able to turnover your roster, even though it does come with a lot of disruption, and you always worry about chemistry and cohesion and things like that, but it does provide the opportunity for you to accelerate what was you know, a five or six year process for programs making the jump historically to where maybe you can you know, sh shorten that time. And even, I think ideally for all of us, and what we're all holding out hope for is that you are able to compete right away. Riley, if Congress came to you and said, we would like you to fix this portal NIL madness in college football to make it better. Where would you start and what would you do? Yeah, Dave, uh, you mentioned Congress. I'd say stop spending money and get your own house under control. <laughs> when, you know, with the news headlines all being consumed with our national debt and the debt ceiling and all that stuff. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I think, um, so I work in day-to-day well, I won't, I won't give you too long of an answer, but I work in health insurance and part of the Affordable Care Act, uh, there was uh, some good, some bad about it. But one of the things that they do is it's they kept free market principles, but everybody that wants to participate in that market pays into a pool where distributions go out equally regardless of, you know, different carriers, market strength or size or this or that. In other words, it's a way, uh, the mandate to pay into the pool somewhat, it allows the free market principles to exist 
but it also kind of levels the playing field to prevent monopolies or duopolies or or too much or the market getting too uh, upside down in terms of inequity. I think something like that uh, within the with within this NIL, right? You got to still allow free market principles to reign. I think free market principles are going to be what's best for the athletes in the long term, and I think that's this whole thing was geared towards trying to do what's best for the athletes and not necessarily the universities or the large organizations because that was so upside down uh, for so many decades historically that the universities captured all the financial upside and none of it was shared downstream. Well, now we're in a transition period where things are crazy. I think, anyway, bottom line is I would I would come up with something where everybody's got to pay in to a pot um, based on certain metrics and then, what, and then that, the distributions from that pot go into slightly um, – slightly adjust or, or to not let the swings between the haves and the have nots become so drastic and allow people to compete. It will never be a level playing field. Let me just say that. Like we, we, nobody knows that better than, better than BYU. Right. And what they've been through in, in, uh, you know, from mountain West to independence and now in the P five, we know what comes along or the great advantages that come along with where you're stationed within the college football landscape. Um, but creating, trying to insert some equity while still allowing free market principles to thrive would uh, be some sort of solution that uh, I would suggest. Although I wouldn't give it to Congress. Congress, <laughs> I'd find some other group of smarter people and let them work on it. Understood. The great Riley Nelson joining <laughs> us here on BYU Sports Nation. So, so, Riley, our question of the day is which side of the football do you think has improved the most through the transfer portal? What do you think? That's a good question. I, um, I mean, I'm an offensive guy, so I spend more time and attention. I'll, I'll admit, like, I see a transfer announcement, and all the offensive guys, I like click on their Twitter profile and I go watch their highlights, and I, I get to see those guys. I'm maybe like 50% on the doing that for defensive guys, so it's hard for me to kind of uh, see the see the chops of them. And, and you did qualify this by saying uh, through the transfer portal. I think. Getting your quarterback to replace Jaron Hall probably tips it slightly to the offense. I, I guess I would say that was the single most important transfer. So if we were going to look at one, but I think as a body of work, the defense has a chance to be um, to be a, as a unit, the unit that was perhaps bolstered up more by the uh, by the transfer portal. Well, you know, getting the getting your QB one uh, with who has you know. 30 plus P five starts and all that to help you into that transition was really the, the gold star for the offensive side. Let's go into the quarterback room for a moment, starting with Slovis. And then you got Retzlaff who will be here in just a bit. Cade Fennigan, Nick Billups, Ryder Burton, a young guy with a big arm, Cole Hagan. How do you feel about that room? Yeah, I think it's great. I, I just tell those guys, I mean, I think it's a great room. I think, it's going to be an interesting spot because you got, you know, top experience heavy with Keaton Slovis. And then you got guys, you know, Retzlav, you got guys that have played. Retzlav, obviously, at a little bit different level of football. Uh, and, and then you got Cade, who's coming from Boise, which is a good program. You know, it's no slouch. He's hopefully been taught football the right way, even though he hasn't had a lot of. Uh, had, had a lot of snaps. But you got Keaton Slovis, who's very top heavy as far as his P5 you know, starts and experience in the FCS or sorry, in the FBS level. Uh, here's what I'd say. 
everybody's got to take accountability for their own progress simply because Keaton's coming in. He's expected to start right away. He's learning a new system and he's helping a program transition from G5 to P5. So where you'd hope that he'd be in a, have some sort of dynamic like I have with Max Hall, where I came off my mission and Max had things so dialed in as a senior that he was able to take time and kind of, uh, you know, really kind of tutor me or bring me along. He didn't spend a ton of time because his primary, and I understood that too, right? His primary role was to get ready for Saturdays and go out and help our team win. But because he was comfortable enough with his surroundings uh, and, and had been that way for so long, he was, I was able to glean a lot of information that I don't expect Slovis being in a position for, for this group. And then the second thing is like tomorrow's I'd say to that quarterback room, while I do feel great about it, no tomorrow's are guaranteed. Um, I, I'd tell them, each one of them, if, you know, if they're not the guy or they're unhappy about their playing time. And granted, I realized that I was a transfer, albeit in a different environment, but the grass isn't always greener on the other side and getting not only the tutelage of a, of a experienced senior experienced quarterback is Keaton Slovis, but getting to work under Aaron Roderick, who's now is back-to-back draft picks. And by, if you talk to any scout or any NFL evaluator, they absolutely love the stuff that Roderick does and in, in the offense here. So it's a tremendous opportunity for him. Don't let your emotions get in the way. Go like become a worker, uh, you know, decide to stick with it through adversity and, and think very long and hard about it. If you're going to make a, a change to go try and play somewhere else. And uh, if we do that, I think BYU is not only set up well for, for this current season, but you know, for the th- first three, four five years, going into the Big 12. Do you believe that with Keaton Slovis already having gone through transferring from one school to the other, do you think that benefits him coming into BYU and obviously then benefits the Cougars overall? Because he's already gone through that process. He knows what it's like. And even though last year didn't go the way that he wanted and it didn't turn out to be the situation he had hoped it would be, Going through that process just a year ago, do you think that helps him going into this year? I do if if he'll let it. And when I say if he'll let it, you have to – you cannot anchor, meaning you cannot let the negative experience of what happened to him at Pitt. And if if there's any viewers or listeners out there that weren't sure about all the dynamics, it's, it's online. You can go and see that he went in thinking he was going into one situation, and when he actually got there, it turned out that, you know, it wasn't – what he was expecting it to be. But what you can't do is let, you can't carry those, the negative aspects of that experience. You can't let them carry that. And maybe, because what they can tend to do is they can tend to jade you as a player or as a person. Maybe you're always kind of looking over your shoulder, you know, expecting those negative things that happened in his transfer from USC to Pitt to repeat themselves here. Rather, you got to focus on all the positive, on all the positives that happen and all the positives that are currently going on at BYU and then all the lessons learned that were principled lessons. Don't assume just because something happened one way at one that it's going to repeat itself here in a new situation, but rather look for the foundational principle or the foundational causation of those uh, of what happened to you in your previous experience, how it happened, what and and the why behind it rather than the specifics and and then that's you can take those raw materials and build upon them and really make this, uh, you know, second transfer of his productive and everything he hopes it will be and everything that Cougar Nation hopes it will be. One of the toughest uh, football players in BYU history, Riley Nelson here on BYU Sports Nation. Let's finish with this one. Um, 
when I think of transfers who've come in and started at BYU, it's a short list. There's you, there's uh, Steve Sarkeesian, and Gary Scheide. That's not a big, long list. How challenging is it to transfer into BYU and become a starter and win games? Boy, um, I had the good fortune of, I've already mentioned earlier in this interview, of sitting a year behind Max. I cannot, so it was pretty challenging because BYU is a QB factory, right? Like they get the recruits and those recruits come in and they play and they produce and they go on to play at the next level and all those things. So it's daunting kind of coming in as an outsider. Um, but that buffer year or that transition year that I had to sit behind Max really eased it. That combined with the fact that also I had started as a true freshman prior to my mission at Utah State, right? So I kind of knew, uh, I kind of knew the ropes a little bit. Keaton Slovis obviously has that, but coming in and having the expectation to start right away, and not just start right away, but lead a team to success in what are unknown waters. I think is is extremely challenging. Um, so I, I guess what I would say to viewers and Cougar Nation out there is is have patience, but also we should all expect, as I'm sure, as I know, Keaton Slovis expects of himself that he is going to embrace that opportunity, rise to that occasion, and you know cement his name in with the the legacy that all all of us former quarterbacks have the great privilege of being counted among, and that's the brotherhood of BYU quarterbacks. Riley, great stuff as always. We always love having you on the show. It's good to talk with you. Hopefully uh, things are going well for you and uh, certainly hope that the family is doing well. It's always great to talk with you, and I'm sure we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll have you on before the season starts. Likewise. Always a pleasure, fellas. And next time I'm going to hop down in the studio with you. I'm, I'm committing it right now on air. No more of this Zoom stuff. I have not been in the show, or I have not been in the new studio on the show, so that's going to be my goal for next time I'm on. Thanks for having me. That. Yeah, we'll, we'd look forward to having you in studio. Thanks, Riley. Appreciate it, man. What a great, Later. Uh, great example, BYU. Have you noticed his hair shorter in the business world than it was when he was here at BYU? <laughs> yeah, look, hey. But hey you you got to do what you got to well, do. Well, you said one of the toughest to ever play quarter. Well, that is without question. That yeah. guy was tough as nails. If you've missed any of our interviews, Deep Blues, a variety of shows, or our games, you can find them at BYUSN.com. Download the BYU TV app. They're right there as well. And get BYU TV sports content on demand, including last night's baseball game. Up next, men's basketball is making its return to the Delta Center. Ah, I love saying the Delta Center next season. We'll tell you who they'll be playing. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. The next thing that they admit will be on <laughs> that We that don't too. know what it is yet, but it's, we'll be on it. We're everywhere. Yeah, that's right. Welcome back to Studio B. Jason, Dave, pleasure. Uh, let's get to today's headline, shall we, Dave? We have so much to talk about yes, on we this do. Friday. As first reported by College Hoops analyst Rocco Miller, men's basketball are going to play at the Delta Center on December 1st against Fresno State. That's when Christmas around the world moves into the Marriott Center, and that's when the boys move out. Is that the Steve uh, Cleveland Bowl? And the Bowl? women's team as well. Uh, it could be the Steve <laughs> Cleveland Bowl. He still lives in Fresno. <laughs> yeah. uh, coached at Fresno. Loves BYU coached here. Yeah, well, let's call it the Cleveland Bowl. Here's a look at some of the non-conference schedule that's already in place. Still waiting for the Big 12, but uh, 
I talked with uh, Nick Robison the other day and they are pumped about what they got developing on the floor and you see on paper, it's a pretty good schedule. I love the fact that BYU and San Diego State have been able to schedule each other pretty consistently over the last couple of years. That, that's, that was one of the great yeah. um, games back when they were in the same conference. So to be able to continue that, obviously still having the University of Utah on the schedule, you know, that's big for both schools and obviously for the local community. And the Vegas showdown. Yeah, Vegas showdown. Yeah, it's really starting to come together. Look, when <laughs> we know how big Big 12 basketball is. So to be able to see that schedule when it comes out in its entirety is going to be pretty remarkable. And we love playing in Salt Lake, that's home away from home. Absolutely. Along with Vegas. That's We're right. Two homes away from home. That's true. Well, the night started out in grand fashion for BYU baseball. There he goes. That one's high. That one's deep. That one's a grand slam. Cole Gamble with a senior memory for the ages clears the bases. BYU baseball ended up winning the game 13-7 last night at Miller Park to keep their postseason hopes alive. We left the ballpark feeling pretty good because at the time, Gonzaga was leading Santa Clara 4-1 late in that ball game, and that's what uh, the Cougars needed. They needed to sweep this series, and they needed Santa Clara to be swept by Gonzaga. So last night started out pretty good. However, about an hour after the game, Santa Clara rallied for four runs in the bottom of the ninth to beat the Zags 5-4. to four. Uh, The Broncos win eliminates BYU from having a chance to make the conference tournament. That means that tonight and tomorrow's games will wrap up the Cougars season. So don't forget to join Dave, Gary, and myself tonight for uh, for BYU and Pepperdine game two at eight Eastern on the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. But what a fun night and some uh, some first, or at least one's a first, one we thought was a first, but it didn't turn out to be. Inside the Parker and a Grand Slam. Uh, yeah. Sometimes though, when you dig yourself into a deep <laughs> hole, you stay in the hole. Yeah. BYU just did that all season. They needed some miraculous things from Santa Clara and they're not going to get it. And so we play for the love of the game That's tonight right. and tomorrow and, and then set our course for the Big 12. Softball, BYU beat San Jose State 5-2 to two in the National Invitation Softball Tournament going on in Fort Collins, Colorado. Today, the Cougars take on Maryland, 2 o'clock Eastern time in the winner's bracket. Staying with softball, Hunter Ava and Ilana Agbayani were named to the NFCA Pacific All-Region third team. Congratulations to both. Track and field, 64 entries in the next week's West Regionals. That's the second most in program history for the men. 36 entries, that's the most that they've ever done. Hey, they're chasing championships. That's what BYU does. The men are ranked number nine in the country, the women number 20, heading into the regionals. Men's steeplechaser Kenneth Rooks was named to the Bowerman Watch List, which is given out each year to the nation's most outstanding male and female track and field athlete. Rooks is just the third men's athlete ever at BYU named to the watch list. All right, those are today's headlines. Now let's whip it. Cougar Whip Around is presented by Maersk your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. As you mentioned, game of first last night for a pair of BYU seniors, Austin Deming's first inside the park home run, and Cole Gamble's first collegiate grand slam. They were both very dramatic. Uh, what was the most impressive of the two? I think, look, I, 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 I love both of these young men. Uh, please don't get upset with me, Cole Gamble, on, but the inside the park home run was unbelievable. And because off the bat, 
everybody thought it was going to be a flyout. Right. So you have Austin Deming getting to first and then realizing the ball gets past the outfielder and rolls all the way to the wall and he has to turn on the burners and it was that was so much fun to watch. I, I, I told you guys on the broadcast last night, even minutes after when I was talking to him, he was still out of breath. So for me, that's the most impressive, but both are really awesome. Absolutely, and, and a big guy with a big swing can hit a ball a long ways, but for an inside the park, all kinds of crazy has to happen. That's right. And so uh, both were fun. Yeah. We're curious to see what they're gonna do tonight on the broadcast. That's right. Leads us to the stat of the day. BYU's hit 73 it's home the BYU runs. BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU's hit 73 home runs this season compared to 47 last year. Deming leads the team with 16. Last year he had five and still made first team all-conference. What a difference. The guy's getting ready for Major League yeah. Baseball. That, to have an increase of almost 30 home runs from one season to the next with essentially the same guys there? Yeah. I mean, the guys that are hitting your home runs this year, Deming, Gamble, Wilk, Sapiti. Sapiti we're all on the roster last year. So to have that kind of uptick, that's pretty remarkable. What's interesting is there none, none of them are going to be on the roster next year. <laughs> They're all, they'll all be honored tomorrow for Senior Day. Yeah. All right, this weekend brings an end of competition for BYU in the West Coast Conference. Uh, the Cougars will officially join the Big 12 on July 1st. Make sure you, you mark your calendar. Put it in your Franklin Day Planner if you still have one. Uh, was membership in the WCC, everything you hoped it would be as far as sports are concerned. You know, I think BYU wins the Commissioner's Cup every year. Yeah. And so as a whole, it's been pretty good. And it's been a, and a great place for BYU to be while they're hoping for somewhere else. Everyone wants to have beaten Gonzaga more often, but yeah. BYU still beat them more than most. Uh, but yeah, I think it was a great place for, for what it was. Yeah, for what it was, I, I agree with you. The way I look at it is, it was never where BYU wanted to be, but it was a good landing spot for the situation that they had. But it was always a holding place for where BYU wanted to go. So for what it was, it, it was what BYU needed. We showed you at the top of the broadcast Keaton Slovis's first pitch last night before the baseball game. We also wanted to show you Jerem Jordan's from the past and ask you which one did it better. All right, so we're gonna, we're gonna evaluate these. Well, let's see these. Okay, first of all, the suit? Yeah, first of all, that was a young Jeremy. He didn't know better. In fact, he got called into HR after this pitch. You can always tell how old a picture is by Jeremy's hair. <laughs> um, I'm voting for Slovis just based on what I'm seeing right there. Yeah, it's it's Slovis with, look, Slovis got it over the plate. Jeremy one-hopped it. See here, now here's Keaton. Hi, yes, but still at least got it. That thing was to, to Brett Hansen, who was catching him. And he told you afterwards, I just didn't want to put it in the dirt. That's right. Nice that's, job, Keaton. That's right. All right, coming up, quarterback Jake Retzloff joins us in Studio B. Why did he choose BYU? Well, you know what? We'll ask him. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B. Jason Shepard, Dave McCann, and we are very happy to be joined by BYU quarterback Jake Retzloff. And Jake, first of all, welcome to Studio B. This is the first time that you've been here, right? Yeah, it's a pretty great place you guys got here, man. Yeah, we uh, look, only the best for Jake Retzloff when he comes <laughs> in for This was not here yesterday. We did this all for you today. Oh, How about appreciate that? Appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right, so we got to bring something up. 
I, I've obviously done the, the show with Dave for the last 45 minutes. I had not seen his socks. He's wearing Cubs socks today. Uh, as a Cardinals fan, I take, I take offense to that. These socks were a gift. We also found out you're a Cardinals fan. How do you feel about Big his Big Cardinals Cubs? fan. I don't know if I could do the rest of the interview. I mean, honestly, I might walk out. I don't know. <laughs> Jake, thanks for being here today. Coming up next, <laughs> we're going to move on. All right, it's two versus one, Dave. So l- let's, right. let's start here. Sure. You come to BYU. You've been here now for a while. How, how have you acclimated to BYU and Provo? Uh, it's been it's been awesome. I mean, I've received nothing but a warm welcome from everybody around me and through the football facility and even in upper campus and the academic side. Everything's everybody's been great towards me, and it's definitely a little slower than Southern California, but uh, it's it's been good. Never mind your stats, which were incredible. Coming from junior college to to BYU, what's been the most noticeable differences? Um, I really think it's you know the professionalism at this level, and I think that's really from the top down. You know, Kalani sets a high standard for our coaching staff, and coaching staff sets a high standard for the players, and that's just kind of you know echoes through the halls, and it's like we're not here to mess around and throw the ball around. We're here to go win football games and and have a lot of fun doing it, and so that's been a a big you know plus for me, and I, I really appreciate that because we're not getting treated like high school kids anymore. We're getting treated like adults because we are, and we're playing an adults game really a kids game as adults right (laughs) yeah let's get to know you a little bit better tell tell BYU Sports Nation a little bit about you likes dislikes interests what you do away from football we've already covered baseball yeah we we know we know you have great taste in baseball teams first and foremost uh but just yeah give give everybody an idea of of who you are uh man well you know born and raised in Southern California I've been a California kid my whole entire life so love the beach love uh love everything about that weather out there uh luckily it's warming up here which is nice uh, grew up playing football, basketball, and baseball uh, with my two brothers. Really competitive household. I'm the son of two coaches. My dad a football coach. My mom a tennis coach. Um, and my dad, my dad's actually was a D-line coach, and so he believes he was cursed with a quarterback son and a receiver son. So <laughs> he deserves so it. He's not a fan of that, but uh, but no, he's loved every minute of it. He's been super supportive, and uh, I definitely get that drive and competitive nature from my mom. She's awesome. She's been true great role model in my life and so you know I like to just be outside and play sports it's what I've done my whole life and uh, so it's fun cool what has it been about your decision here and when you went through the process because you had plenty of options uh, when you think of Zach Wilson you think of Jaron Hall uh, Keaton Slovis even and and you guys who are in the NFL want to go to the NFL was that a key factor of this system is doing this right now yeah and so uh, one thing that I knew about BYU before and is the guys like Steve Young getting out, you know, right. Ty Detmer, Max Hall, these, these great quarterbacks in the past. But what was really impressive to me was the great quarterbacks of now. I mean, BYU has seemingly been spoiled with quarterbacks the last few seasons with Jaron and Zach. And, you know, a guy going number two overall and then Jaron just getting drafted to the Vikings this year. It's, it's really impressive stuff. And I know Coach Arod is developing some really good quarterbacks. And so it's really attractive to a guy who has aspirations for that level. How are you approaching this season? And maybe what do you want out of this season? Uh, that, that's a good question. Um, I think coming in with, uh, with Keaton in the building, obviously, it's, uh, it's an interesting dynamic because Keaton's the only guy, you know, he, he's come from Power 5 football. And so we know he's played it and we know he can play it. And so it's, uh, it's been good learning from him a lot, um, just kind of how he approaches his day-to-day stuff because, you know, honestly, approaching junior college is a lot different than Division One football. And... Uh, so I've been able to learn from him a lot. I think this season's going to be a lot of that. Um, you know, gratefully that I'm grateful for how good of a guy he is and how he's been easy to talk to and easy to get along with. I think me and him are pretty close, and so uh, it's been it's been nice for 
you know, so far. And, and going into the season, I just know that, you know, I'll be pushing him when I, as hard as I can and supporting him on the field, and I know he'd do the same for me. Look at your timeline, and obviously you came here to be a starter. Uh, Slovis is the starter going in. If he stays healthy and stays that way, the way the rules are set up, you can play in four games and still have two full years afterwards. Yeah. Is that kind of the big picture vision for you? Uh, yeah, that's definitely you know in the equation right now. Um, I think a red shirt this year is a possibility with the two years possibly to start for BYU. It might be tough to wait, but it would be worth <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, it's funny because, I mean, I haven't had to wait since, like, my sophomore year of high school, so it's been a while since I've been waiting around, but it's been good so far. Yeah. One of the very cool stories related to you is about your religion and being the first Jewish quarterback ever at BYU. That, that has garnered a lot of attention, overwhelmingly positive. What has that meant to you, and, and what does that aspect of your life, how does it help you in, in your athletic endeavors well like I said the reception here was incredible and that was that went beyond football that went as me as a person and especially my religion and being the first Jewish quarterback at BYU is a huge milestone I feel like for me and feel for BYU uh, I feel like in some way or another I could open the door for other athletes who feel like they might not belong if they're not LDS and kind of relations to that and uh but it's been amazing and it's been incredible and I didn't know I would have this kind of platform that I have now and I didn't know that it would blow up this far you know, I think that the Deseret wrote an article on me and that thing blew up more than I could have imagined. And so that kind of attention, it's been pretty cool to have. Um, and it's just, you know, I just want to be a great representative of my faith. And I think it's uh, a lot of people around this place, like I might be the only Jewish quarter person they know and definitely the only Jewish quarterback they know. And so uh, it's been cool to like, you know, educate the guys on a certain amount of things and uh, they get to return the favor with, uh, you know, the LDS faith because I don't know as much about that as people might think and they don't know very much about my faith. So it's kind of cool. Basketball coach Mark Pope uh, is recruiting the world for guys. And he, he said something interesting last year as he had three Muslim players on the basketball team. Um, that never happened before. And, uh, and he said, BYU... As, a, as an institution and a place is best suited for any student athlete in the world, no matter their beliefs, to come and flourish, feel safe, and, uh, and, and develop. And in these first couple of months, have you felt that? Yeah, 100%, no doubt about that. And like I said, the support's been amazing. And you, know, you don't get treated any different than anybody else in the building. And I mean, you go introduce yourself to somebody and be like, hey, you know, it's always a question, are you LDS? And it's like, no, I'm actually Jewish. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. That's so cool that you're here and you're Jewish and stuff like that. And I believe there's a total of five Jewish kids on campus. Uh, I think I've been able to contact three of the other four. Um, we got a little group chat going, nice. but, uh, but it's been, yeah. So I found a little community here in Utah County, actually, that's a Jewish community. And so I've gotten plenty of support from them. And there's no doubt that anybody can come here and flourish. And I've definitely experienced that so far. Hey, we're excited to watch you play. Yeah. I'm excited to get on the field. Yeah, we can't wait for the season to get going. And one of the things we have on the show, it's something called the BYU Sports Nation Karma. Now, we understand there's, there's not any games coming up in the near future because normally we give it to somebody and then they perform really, really well in, in the upcoming game. It's, it's very real. It's good karma. So it's good karma. We are going to give it to you for the offseason heading <laughs> into the season. So we are now going to give you the BYU Sports Nation karma, and we will allow you to do with it what you will. Oh, I'll gladly accept it then, <laughs> it's as long a, as it's good karma. It's yeah. the first time offseason karma has ever been given. Look, look, you got to do it. You've got to do it. Jake, it's been a pleasure to, to get to know you, and thanks so much for stopping by. We really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good to see you. All right, up next, a rise and shout out to some Cougars for their work with refugees. 
This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. As always, BYU Sports Nation's on demand. Download the free BYU TV and BYU radio apps or listen to the podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. Our question of the day, which side of the football has improved the most for BYU through the transfer portal? Our elite voice of the day is presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated. And this comes in uh, via Instagram from Caleb McKay. Caleb says, while the offense has brought in more needed key players, they are not necessarily an improvement on last year's team. On the defensive side of the ball is where we see the talent level actually increasing, especially on the defensive line, and that's kind of that's kind of how I looked at it as well. That's a good I, point. Look, and look, the, the beauty is you brought in a lot of talent on both sides of the football. Both will be benefited. Yeah. Let's see, September. September. <laughs> there we go. But I like that on yeah. the defense. All right, today's Rise and Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. The BYU women's volleyball team currently on a foreign trip and made a stop in Turkey. While there, they did some work with Turkish and Syrian refugee young women playing volleyball with them and having a Q&A session as well. Way to go, BYU women's volleyball. Very cool. Enter to learn. Go for it to serve. There we go. That's right. Uh, our thanks to today's guests, the quarterbacks. It was a quarterback day here on BYU Sports Nation. Thanks to Riley Nelson as well as Jake Rutzloff, who we just talked to. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Again, we're everywhere, uh, and we hope you take advantage of it. This and all our shows on demand at BYUSN.com. For Dave, I'm Jason. Shout out to James Lark. Old school. That's right. We will see you tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern time on BYU TV and the app for BYU Baseball against Pepperdine. It's game two of three, and we'll see you tonight from Miller Park. Until then, go Cougs. I'm unique, and so are my family.